As you're being seated, I invite you to turn your attention to our second reading for the morning from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. I'll begin reading at the first verse. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves. Then he went home, amazed at what had happened. This is the word of God. Would you pray with me? Lord, especially on this morning, we pray that your power and your presence and your promises will overwhelm each one of us. We pray, God, that Easter will be a reality in our lives. We ask, living Christ, that once again you will give each one of us ears to hear what you're saying to us today. Give us the grace and the courage to live our lives according to your will. Give us the grace and the courage to find the joy that you have offered us in Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Some of you had the opportunity to meet my father. My father was a remarkable man in so many ways. He entered more fully into the presence of Christ about three years ago at age 96. He was part of what we call the greatest generation. He was a World War II veteran, part of Patton's Third Army that liberated Europe. He, he for all of his life, was very, very faithful to his local church. Every time the doors were open, he was there. He was a person that enjoyed people. And particularly reflecting back on my father's life, I realized that he had a zest for living. He, he went to the other side about three years ago at age 96, but he worked, now get this, he worked 
until he was 91 years old because he wanted to work until he was 91 years old. He reinvented himself a few times in retirement, but he kept working. He loved doing what he was doing. He loved being with people. He, he really did, looking back on his life, had a zest for living. He wanted to be out and among people. And he made sure that he stayed strong physically. He also made sure that he stayed strong mentally. Even on the last night, before he left us early that next morning, he was reading a book that I had given him. He always read at night. He wanted to keep his mind strong. He had a zest for living. He did work until he was 91 years old, but from age 91 to age 96, he was mostly there in his retirement community. And, and between you and me, I think he spent too much time watching news broadcast. Now, I know as we get older, sometimes our lives get smaller. Our area of concern gets smaller. I think we want our lives to become smaller so that we can control and manage our lives better. And in his latter days, he spent a lot of those days watching news broadcast. And I think as a result of watching those news broadcasts so constantly, it changed him in some ways. I, I have a love-hate relationship with social media and the ways that we now have a 24-7 news cycle. I am thrilled about the ways the gospel can go forth now across the world in remarkable ways that we couldn't have comprehended a few years ago. I have a love-hate relationship with social media, and I have a love-hate relationship with the internet. We can do so much good through it, but sometimes it just becomes a constant purveyor of bad news. Sometimes we can get so bombarded with the bad news that all the good news in the world gets subsumed in the bad news. All the good news in the world gets conflated in a mass amount of bad news. And I think that's why in some ways our culture has a particularly unique relationship to fear. A different relationship to fear than many of our ancestors had in the past. We've always needed to be mindful of the world around us. We needed to be prudent. But in some ways, and I believe it's because of internet and 24-7 news cycle and the proliferation of the bad news that continues to get shared so often, that we have a unique relationship to fear. And that concerns me. That also is one of the reasons why I know that this day, today, is central to our faith. Easter is... God's answer to our abiding fears and our deepest questions in life, whether it's disease or war or economic instability and collapse, Easter answers our most profound questions, and Easter can bring relief to our fears. We ask ourselves so often in life now, does life make sense? 
Shakespeare has Macbeth saying after the death of Lady Macbeth that life is a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying nothing. And there are people in our world who think that's pretty much the summary of life. We live, we live in a tough world, and then we die. But Easter reminds us that life certainly makes sense. Life is going somewhere. Life in this world can be glorious. Certainly life in the world to come can be glorious. Sometimes we find ourselves asking so frequently as we watch all the bad news, does evil win? Sometimes it seems as if those most evil are the most in control in life. I'm thinking about the Ukraine, for instance. Does evil win? Easter stands in the midst of this world story and declares to us that God and good wins. Sometimes we're so bombarded, bombarded by bad news, we, we wonder if this world, in all of its frailty and brokenness, is all that there is. But again, Easter answers that question, and we can live by the different reality of Easter if we choose to. You realize that Jesus was not just resuscitated back to his old life. That's what happened to Lazarus when he was called forth from the grave. He just resuscitated back to his old life to die again. You know, I've often thought when I hear that story from, from John chapter 11 about the, the calling back of Lazarus from the dead, that if I had been Lazarus, I would have been royally irritated if you had called me back. He came back just to die again. But what we know about Jesus Christ and is presented and proclaimed throughout the New Testament is that Jesus Christ was not just resuscitated from the dead. A dead man did get up and walk, but he was not just resuscitated back from the dead. He was raised into new life to never die again. And he offers us participation in that new life. He went, Jesus went to the place of the dead and he came forth triumphantly from that place. And in Jesus Christ, we too find our Passover, as the New Testament declares, we too can pass over from death to life. I know that my children, as they were growing up, thought I was a little strange for many reasons, but they thought I was strange because I love cemeteries. I have a great, great fondness for cemeteries for multiple reasons. One of the reasons I love cemeteries is I, I love genealogy. I love local history. History is amazing and fascinating to me. I, I can't understand people who are bored by history. History is just about people. History is just telling the stories of people, and I find people extremely interesting. I love history, I love genealogy, so I love wandering cemeteries and reading the tombstones in those old cemeteries because sometimes part of the personality of the person that has left us is inscribed there on those tomb 
stones. I love cemeteries for multiple reasons. Another reason I love cemeteries is for me, for us. Cemeteries are places of great hope. That's why all around the world this morning, Christians crawled out of bed early for sunrise services in cemeteries. We had a great turnout in our columbarium early this morning for our sunrise service in our columbarium. As Christians, we see things differently. As Christians, we see things other people can't see. As Christians, we see beyond what other people can see. And for us, cemeteries, columbariums, are great, great places of hope for us. So Easter is central to our lives as Christ followers. I really like Luke's account of that first resurrection morning for several reasons. But one of the reasons I like Luke's account is it really focuses perhaps a little more than some of the others. They all agree that the women were the first to the tomb. They all agreed that the women were the first preachers of the resurrection, proclaimers of the resurrection. But Luke adds a little more interesting information to the women's involvement at the tomb. You're told, we're told in 2410, now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. So after visiting the tomb and hearing from the angels, the women went back to those apostles, those male apostles, and those women proclaimed the resurrection of Jesus to those 11 male apostles. But then Luke tells us, I think with just a little bit of delight, Luke tells us in verse 11, but these words from these women seemed to them, those male apostles, an idle tale. And they did not believe the women. So then two of the men in John's Gospel goes to check out what these women have been telling them. That Jesus is not among the dead, but Jesus is among the living. I hope you believe these women this morning. I desperately and deeply believe the witness of these women this morning. I believe that a dead man got up and walked about 2,000 years ago outside the old city of Jerusalem and he came back to never die again but was ascended to the Father, was raised to new life that is eternal and we get to participate in that eternal life. I believe this deeply. I believe this desperately. I hope that you do too. I, I, I don't think that what we proclaim this morning is just a metaphor for how good always wins. I don't believe that what we proclaim this morning is just a, a symbol that somehow God gets his way in the world. I don't believe that what we're proclaiming this morning is just simply that the memory of Jesus, as some have said, the memory of Jesus was so strong to those early Christians that it was almost as if he was back from the dead. I believe exactly what the women said 
And I'm glad those other male apostles came to believe what those women said. He was not among the dead. He was among the living. If everything had ended with the crucifixion, the death of Jesus, we wouldn't be here this morning. If everything had ended with the death of Jesus on that dark Friday that we now call Good Friday, we wouldn't be here this morning. But something happened to those earliest followers. Something happened to those earliest followers. And you could say something got a hold of those earliest followers. Someone got a hold of those earliest followers. And everything changed. And now here we are on the other side of the globe from the Middle East. And we are here in this sanctuary this morning on the other side of the world from Jerusalem proclaiming that he was raised from the dead. We even, early on in the New Testament, changed our worship day from the Jewish Sabbath to the first day of the week so that every week when we gathered in worship we would be proclaiming the reality, the truth of Easter. John R. W. Stott was a great Christian author of a previous generation, and he wrote a book entitled Basic Christianity that for the last 30, 40 years has been a great help to, to new Christians as they embraced Christ, as they allowed themselves to be embraced by Christ, and as they learned the basics of our faith. In that book, Basic Christianity, John R. W. Stott, of course, talks about Easter, the resurrection reality. And this is what he wrote. Perhaps the transformation of the disciples of Jesus is the greatest evidence of all for the resurrection. It was the resurrection which transformed Peter's fear into courage and James's doubt into faith. It was the resurrection which changed the Sabbath into Sunday. It was the resurrection which changed Saul the Pharisee into Paul the Apostle and turned his persecuting into preaching. You've heard me say every Easter, it was not the discovery of the empty tomb that transformed the earliest Christians. You see in the gospel accounts, when they discovered the empty tomb, they just made the very normal assumption that someone had stolen the body. No, it was not the discovery of an empty tomb that transformed them. It was the discovery of the living Jesus that transformed them. And you know the gospel story. Jesus stayed with them for 40 days, teaching them about the kingdom of God. And then after 40 days with them, post-resurrection, he ascended to the Father. It wasn't just an empty tomb that changed them so dramatically. It was the discovery of the living Jesus that changed them. He was with them for 40 days, then he ascended back to the Father, and then on Pentecost, he gave us the gift of his Spirit, 
so that his spirit could make real in our lives the presence of the living Christ. Easter declares that the work of Christ was accepted by the Father. The work of Christ that we focused on on Thursday and Friday and Saturday. The work of Christ, the work of his passion as a substitute for us as the satisfaction for both God's love and God's justice was accepted by the Father. Jesus did not die simply the death of a martyr. Jesus died as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus' death accomplished something cosmically. Jesus' death accomplished something for us. And resurrection was God the Father's seal of approval on the work of God the Son. Charles Wesley reminds us every Easter, love's redeeming work is done, fought the fight, the battle won, death in vain forbids him rise. Christ has opened paradise for you and for me. As Christ followers, we believe that Easter never ends. I hope for you, friends, Easter is not just an annual event. And even though every Sunday is a little Easter, I hope that Easter is not simply a weekly event. I hope that for you, for all of us, Easter is a way of life. Again, Mr. Wesley reminds us every Easter, soar. Soar we now where Christ has led, following our exalted head, made like him, like him we rise. Ours the cross, the grace, the skies. Because of the work of Jesus Christ, we are the people who are constantly rising. We are those who soar on eagle's wings because of the reality, the truth of this day. Easter does give us the option of eternal life on the other side. But beyond that, Easter gives us the option of a new life here and now. Last night, um, we had a large gathering here. We gathered in the sanctuary, in the darkness of this sanctuary. We came into the darkness of this sanctuary to remind us of the darkness of that tomb. And part of what we did last night in our Easter Eve service was we celebrated that in Christ we pass over from death to life. And last night we reaffirmed our baptismal connection to Jesus Christ. And last night we prayed for today. We prepared to receive the gift of this day. We prayed for one another. We, we prayed for you last night. May Easter reality bring you new life in this world and certainly in the world to come. In Romans 6, Paul says that those of us who have died with Christ, and that's symbolized, declared through baptism, we rise with Christ to newness of life. And Paul was talking about in this world and in the world to come. The moment someone decides to be a Christ follower. The moment someone decides 
to invite Jesus Christ into his or her life to rule and reign as monarch, heavenly life begins for that person here in this world. Eternal life begins for that person here in this world. And that's why when our frail bodies fail us, that life continues. Churches across the globe today are more full than usual, and I'm so grateful for that. The largest religion in the world today is Christianity, those of us who proclaim this audacious thing that we proclaim on this day. Churches are more full today, I think, for many reasons. I'm so grateful for it. But one of the reasons I believe that our churches are more full today is people are hungry for good news. And we know that great good news that changes everything in our lives here and in the world to come. I think people are hungry for a power that can enable us to overcome in this world. And that resurrection life that's ours in the here and now through union with Jesus Christ makes overcoming an assured option and possibility for this world and definitely in the world to come. We are finishing a sermon series. We've done it the last seven weeks. We looked at the I Am statements of Jesus in the Gospel of John. Today we climax with the last of those I Am statements that Jesus, the great I Am, of course that's the name of God that was revealed to Moses, the burning bush. Today we've heard in the first reading that Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Martha and Mary and their friends and family wanted to talk about some future event. And that's certainly reality. But Jesus said, I am right now in the here and now. Resurrection and life. May you know the power, the present power of that resurrection living. Friends, would you pray with me? Lord, we're so grateful for this opportunity. We pray that each one of us have allowed you to say something new and fresh and different and eternal to us. Again, we invite Jesus Christ through the power of of the Holy Spirit to live and reign and rule in our lives. May the presence of the living Christ be so real in our lives that when people encounter us, when people experience us, when people hear us, it may be Jesus that they're experiencing. In the power of his name we pray. Amen.